This year we're working on a theme entitled Living by the Book. Uh, We believe, like the Thessalonians did, that this is the actual Word of God. It's not the Word of men. That it contains infallible advice and instruction and guidance. We believe that it's written by the Spirit of the living God. Therefore, it's what we ought to pattern our lives after, and we want to live by the book. Uh, We've picked a number of different uh, series this year to consider as we try to live by the book. And last week we started a new one. We started a, uh, a series entitled Kingdom Living by the Book. Uh, we're going to spend quite a few weeks on the Sermon on the Mount is the purpose of this uh, series. Hopefully we'll get a little different perspective on the Sermon on the Mount than we've gotten before, than we've ever looked at that famous sermon. Uh, in this series, uh, we're going to have some verses that we pay particular attention to. And this year, we or this week, we can use the same verse that we used last week. We used Matthew 6.33, which said to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Last week, we kind of focused on the kingdom part. In the first lesson, we let the king explain his kingdom. And I hope you remember that. We did a broad overview of the Sermon on the Mount and let the king himself explain what his kingdom was like. And to the people that were hearing it firsthand, the kingdom was different than anything they thought it was. Uh, we talked about all the different ideas that people had and what they were looking for from this man, Jesus. And uh, they were no doubt stunned when they found out what the kingdom's really about. And I think 2,100 years later, some of us may be a little bit amazed when we stop and think, is that what the kingdom's really all about? We have some different ideas today, perhaps, than the king intended for his kingdom. So that's what we talked about last week, and hopefully you remember most of that. Uh, Today we're going to look at the righteousness part of this, seeking his righteousness. Uh, I thought as I was preparing this that Jerry Jones, who was here a few weeks ago with the Marriage Matters Seminar... Uh, He would appreciate this series, I think, because what he talked about in the one time he had to talk to us as a uh, family on Sunday morning, remember what he talked about? He said the one need that he sees, and he goes to dozens and dozens of churches every year across this country, he said the biggest thing that he sees, the one thing that he focuses on people needing and us as the church needing is we need to grow up. That's what this series is about. This series is about understanding what kingdom living is and growing up into Christ, becoming what he intended us to become. Uh, Jerry, when he's here, I enjoy talking to him because he goes so many places and sees so many different things. Uh, I'll just... Tell you, there's a little bit of bragging here on Northside, and I think that's all right. Jerry's always amazed by Northside. He's always amazed at all the things that you do at Northside. Uh, the women's conference, the work camp, the family camp, all the things that we carry off that a lot of other places couldn't carry off. We do a lot of things. We do a whole lot of things. And Jerry always brags on that and expresses his amazement that we're able to do so much. But one thing he usually asks me about 
As he says, you guys don't have any small groups? He can't figure out why we don't have small groups. Because he's been enough places that he's seen big churches that can do a lot of things, but have a hard time growing people up. It's hard to grow people up in this room. And if, if, and if all we do is get together for an hour a week and then work in all the things that we work in, it's hard to grow people up. So for a number of years, he, he and I have been talking about that, and I always tell him that the elders are working on that, and we're studying it and thinking about it. And you heard the announcement this morning, the exciting announcement, that we're, we're getting ready to get some input from everybody and see if that's a good thing for Northside. Uh, if it is and it helps us grow up, then it's a good thing. Our series on seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness, kingdom living, uh, let's get started on that. One of the Beatitudes is in 5 verse 6. And we're not going to study the Beatitudes in this series. I don't think we're quite ready for that. That's some heavy-duty stuff there to understand the Beatitudes, but we're going to look at the rest of the Sermon on the Mount in some detail. But one of them says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Now Jesus said, Seek the kingdom and his righteousness. That's what we're talking about the kingdom last week, his righteousness this week. And in this Beatitude, Jesus said, those are people who are blessed, who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Now, we understand the hunger and thirst part. I don't think there's anybody in here that doesn't get that. I don't think there are many people in here that are hungry <laughs> in, in the sense of starving to death. We eat plenty. We have plenty to drink. We have plenty of choices. But you understand the concept of being hungry, of, of really craving something is probably a better term for it. Uh, pregnant women crave things. You know, they're hungry and thirsty for normal things, but some things they crave. That's probably more the word here. Jesus said, my people in my kingdom, the, the blessed ones are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. We know what hungering and thirsting is. Blessed some translations just translate happy. Happy are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Well, the word does literally mean happy, uh, blessed, blissful, fortunate, uh, those kind of words. But it's a little stronger word than that. In fact, it's often used of God. God is called blessed. And when you start to think about is God happy, well, yes, he's yeah, he's happy. He has that inner quality. And that's what he's talking about here is we have that inner quality, that uh, inner joy, that sense of well-being. Uh, it's a divine kind of thing. It's not happiness in the way that the world thinks of happiness. If things are going good, we're happy. If we get a raise, we're happy. We get some new clothes, we're happy. If the kids are behaving, we're happy. And conversely, in the world, if things go the other way, then we're not happy. Well, that's not the word here. Uh, the root means happy, but it's, it's bigger than that. It's a blessed concept, an inner sense of joy, of well-being that circumstances don't change. 
And then the other word in there is righteousness. Now, it means living right. It means living by God's standards. But there's two kinds of righteousness. And we're not going to spend much time on this, but we need to make sure we understand it. We are declared righteous by God. Okay? In Romans chapter 3 through 6, you read that, that's probably the best description of it, uh, the theology of it. At salvation, when we obey Christ and are baptized, trust in Him for our salvation and all of that, He declares us righteous. It's a legal term. He sees us clothed with Christ. He, He doesn't see our sins anymore. Are we still sinful? Are we still sinners? Oh, yeah. But He declares we're righteous. So there's that sense of righteousness, our, our position in him. We are righteous. But the way Jesus is using it here is what he wants us to become after we're declared righteous. We usually use terms like holiness or sanctification. Holiness means set apart for God. Sanctified means the same thing. It means we want to become more like him. That's what Jesus is talking about here. Everybody in the kingdom has been declared righteous. But Jesus says his people in the kingdom hunger and thirst after this kind of righteousness. After this wanting to be more like him. Wanting to be more set apart for him. Want to live closer to his standards. Want to understand his will better. Want to do whatever he wants us to do. We hunger and thirst for that. Then we're blessed. So that's the little beatitude that kind of gives us our concept for what we're talking about today. But as we went through the sermon last week, there's a part in there that's a real hang-up. There's a real tough one in there. Here's the problem verse. The problem verse is Matthew 5.20, and it was just read to you. Jesus said, I tell you. Now, this is after he's told them some about righteousness and that we ought to be seeking his kingdom and seeking righteousness and all that. He says, I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees, you'll not enter the kingdom of God. Of heaven. Now, any verse that says, if you do this or don't do this, you won't enter the kingdom of heaven, that probably ought to get our attention. Well, we probably ought to tune right in there. Say, whoa, what's that mean? Well, I bet when he said this on the side of the mountain, I bet a lot of folks perked up. And I bet most of them thought, well, that's crazy. That's impossible. That's just not going to happen. Because you see, in that day, the Pharisees were the righteous people. They were the the righteous ones. From the people listening to Jesus, when he said this, they began to think, hold it now. I got this seeking righteousness thing. But he just said, I got to surpass the Pharisees? Everybody prays. But the Pharisees, 
They pray all the time. They, they pray three, they got three times a day and they make sure they pray then when they're downtown, whatever they're doing, man, when it comes time, they stop and they pray. Oh, they pray a prayer. They pray. And everybody, everybody I know, all my friends, we give a tenth of our income. We get paid for doing a little bit of work. We'll count out a tenth of that. But when we run into a Pharisee, they'll look at us and say, you gave a tenth of your income? That's good. But here's what I'm bringing. I'm bringing a tenth of my income. Plus, I went out in the herb garden. And I counted how many mint leaves I had in my garden, and I took a tenth of those, and here they are. I'm giving those to God. People heard that, and they thought, hold it now. You know that we've got one fast day a year. I'm supposed to fast once a year. I don't have time to fast any other time. I'm working 18 hours a day just to keep the kids fed. But those Pharisees, you see them, they're always fasting. You see them downtown and they're walking around like they're starving to death and they look horrible. And you, you know they've been fasting for a week. And I'm supposed to surpass that? Everybody, all my friends, we know the basic rules. We know you're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. We know all these things. But those Pharisees, those rascals know every rule. I mean, they can tell you every little rule and interpret it for you and tell you, no, you can't do that, and yes, you've got to do this. They know it all. Are you getting the picture? The Pharisees were like the kid in your elementary school class who never did anything wrong, answered every question, got A-pluses on everything, and if you did anything wrong, they'd rat you out to the teacher. And Jesus says, you've got to be better than them. You've got to surpass their righteousness. Surpass that? Do you understand how confused people were when they heard that and how confused we may be when we hear that? We've got to understand something. We've got to get this figured out. I had a car one time. I paid $75 for it. So you know it was a pretty nice car. <laughs> it burned a little oil. And I use that term in that's Saudi Arabian terminology. And a little oil to a Saudi. I bought it by the case. I poured lots of oil in that old thing. It, it, it smoked, it bumped, it shook. It, it wasn't that great a car. The paint was faded. The bumper was bent out at the back. The transmission was kind of rocky. The interior was ratty. But it got me to work. And when we were first married, that's about all I could afford. So we made it go, and I kept going, kept pouring oil in it, and kept fogging up the streets of Wichita, but it got me to work. Now, let me tell you, finally one time I decided, okay, we've got to get this thing working better. So I took it to a mechanic. And the mechanic looked at the door and he said, I'll tell you, I know exactly what it needs. Come back tomorrow and I'll have it for you. I came back the next day and he said, look at that. He'd given it a wax job. He said, doesn't that look good? 
I said, well, yeah, thank you, and got in it and drove off and smoke billowed out. I said, can't you do something else? He said, well, yeah, we probably ought to do something else. Leave it with me for a week. He kept it for a week and gave it a new paint job. Still smoked and belched and billowed and shook and rattled. I said, can't we do something else? He said, yeah, we can do something else. He ordered in some really nice exterior mirrors, put those mirrors on the side doors. Next, he got some chrome mud flaps for it. Next, he bought some new hubcaps for it. Some of you are starting to stare at me. Some of you are starting to laugh at me. You're, you're thinking to yourself, who would spend that much time and effort on the outside when you know the problem is on the inside? I'll tell you who would do that. Pharisees. Pharisees would do that, and people today who don't understand kingdom living. That makes perfect sense to somebody that doesn't understand kingdom living. Yeah, the interior is bad. The, the, the engine, the, what makes things go, that's the problem. But if we could just make it look good on the outside, maybe it'll be better. Now you understand it. When Jesus said, you've got to surpass the righteousness of the Pharisees. He meant a different kind of righteousness. In a different way, you've got to figure this out. It's not more of the external look. I'm not saying you've got to do more of what the Pharisees are doing. But your righteousness has got to be better than theirs. Your righteousness has got to surpass theirs. You need an engine overhaul, not a paint job. They had glossy paint. And Jesus wasn't saying, you've got to get a better paint job. You've got to have some metal flake in yours to really make this thing look good. He said, no, you've got to have a different kind of righteousness. You've got to surpass their righteousness. If we're going after a different kind of righteousness, how do you know? Because, see, there's some of us who were a little confused last week when we heard about this kingdom thing. And we began to wonder, am I kingdom living or am I just thinking I'm in the kingdom? I came up with a few questions that you can ask yourself that maybe will help you to determine, am I hungering after? Am I hungering and thirsting for this surpassing righteousness, this different kind of righteousness? Question number one, how often do you seek righteousness? Do you seek it one hour a week or do you seek it 24-7? I think that's a pretty good question. Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, who seek righteousness, seek my kingdom and seek my righteousness. How often do you do that? I, I'm not judging here. I'm just giving you some hints. 
And I'm saying if you think about it, if you seek it, if you even think about seeking it one hour a week, you might be having a problem with kingdom living. People in the kingdom hunger and thirst after this righteousness. When they get up in the morning until they go to bed at night, they, and I'm not saying that that's all they think about, but everything they do, it comes around to that. Think, am I growing more like him? Am I in the word? Am I hungering and thirsting for what he's teaching? There's a big difference between one hour a week and 24-7, folks. Question number two, what do you seek? Do you seek to do things, do more things, do better things? Or do you seek to be somebody? That's another good question. If you're thinking to be more righteous... I've got to do this and I've got to do that and I've got to do this better and I've got to quit doing that. You may be on the wrong track. See, the people that heard Jesus say, you've got to surpass the righteousness of the Pharisees, that was their first thought. I can't do any more than they do. It's impossible. There's not, not enough hours in the day for me to do even what they do, much less more than they do. If you're seeking to do more things, to do better things, to do the right thing. I'm not saying you shouldn't do right things. I'm just saying if that's all you're seeking, and you're not seeking to be someone, then you may be on the wrong track. Question number three, why do you seek? Why do you seek righteousness, however you define righteousness? If you're seeking it to be seen... That's one thing. If you're seeking it to become something, that's another thing. Why did Jesus hammer the Pharisees as hard as he did? They sought righteousness, their kind of righteousness, to be seen of men. Remember what Jesus said last week? If that's why you're seeking it, it doesn't count. Well, it doesn't count with God. If you're seeking righteousness just to be seen of men and men to say, whoa, look at that, then you've got your reward. That's all you're going to get because it doesn't count with God. This applies to all we do. You know, when we started this service, I, I praised some people who did a lot of work this week for work camp. Some people worked really hard. They put in a lot, a lot of hours. I don't know their hearts. But I'm telling you, if anybody did that just to be seen of men, if they did that so people would say, man, I can't believe how many hours they worked on that. that is, they're really something. They're really godly people. They're really righteous then you're not kingdom living. Those are just some questions to help you think about this as we pursue this surpassing righteousness. We will find in the weeks ahead that kingdom righteousness is inside out. Okay? 
Got to get this in there. Got to, got to get this locked in. We're going to talk about it every week probably. That's what the Sermon on the Mount was largely about. Jesus said, now these righteous guys over here, they tell you not to murder. And you shouldn't murder people. That's not a good thing. But that's not the problem. The problem's anger. The righteousness comes, got it, inside, out. All the Pharisees cared about was the outside rules. You could hate somebody. You could be mad enough at them to murder them if you got the chance. But if you held back and didn't murder them, you're good. Jesus said, no, that's not the problem. Kingdom righteousness comes from the inside out. Adultery. The Pharisee, as long as you didn't commit the act, you're good. Jesus said, no, the problem's deeper than that. The problem is lust. The problem's inside-out thing. That's why he got on them about their religious things, the praying, the giving, the fasting. They did all of the outside stuff to the max. He said, doesn't count. Because it's not coming from the inside out. Some people don't know this. That's why we're doing this series. Some people, after last week, when the king explained his kingdom, they began to wonder because they'd been baptized and they began working on outside respectability. They cleaned this up, they'd cleaned that up, they'd got this fixed. They're looking pretty respectable on the outside. Jesus said, that's not what the kingdom's about. Kingdom's an inside-out kind of righteousness. The Pharisees had so much trouble getting this. That's why they hated him. Because he pointed it out to them. A few weeks or months ago, there was a TV series on Sunday nights called The Bible. A Hollywood production thing, but they did a pretty good job. And they mixed some Bible stories up that I would never put together or had never put together. And they got them pretty right, and I'm not saying they couldn't have happened that way. I've just never seen them that way. The one that really got me was they kind of personified the Pharisees as this one guy that followed Jesus around. He was one kind of easy-to-not-like guy. And he was the Pharisee. And he had some others with him sometimes, but he followed Jesus around, always looking for something that Jesus was doing wrong. He'd question him every once in a while, and Jesus would give him the eye every once in a while. It was kind of cool. And one time they walked into this little courtyard, and Jesus started to walk over to a tax collector. And the Pharisee was following him and watching. And he just erupted. He said, whoa, he said, you can't go near him. He's unclean. So you can't go talk to him. Well, Jesus just stopped. And he began to tell this story. He said there were two men went up to pray. He said one was a publican, tax collector, and one was a Pharisee. 
They said they went in to pray, and the Pharisee prayed, Oh, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men. I fast and I tithe and I do all of this, and I just thank you that I'm so wonderful. And the publican, he wouldn't even look up. He just bowed his head, and he asked God to have mercy on him. And I tell you that the one that was justified before God was the tax collector. Now the Pharisee standing there listening to this. And Jesus just telling this story out in the middle of the courtyard. And the Pharisee's looking and he's getting hot. And the publican who turned out to be Matthew was sitting there with tears running down his cheeks. He got it. He understood what the kingdom was about. And the Pharisee was frustrated. He was fuming because he didn't get what the kingdom was about. Kingdom righteousness is inside out. Here's a phrase that may help you remember that. You've got to remember this one too. The heart of the matter is a matter of the heart. I've said this a lot of times before, but put it in there. What's the problem in somebody's life? Well, the heart of the matter is a matter of the heart. But you're going to tell me they're doing this or they're not doing that. Yeah, I know. But the heart of the matter is a matter of the heart. That's what Jesus told them over and over in the Sermon on the Mount. He said those righteous people tell you not to murder. I'm telling you the heart of the matter is a matter of the heart. That's what kingdom righteousness is about. That's where we've got to do the work. Now, and that's why Jesus kept, that's why he frustrated the Pharisees so much. I guess it's a bigger word than frustrated because they ended up killing him. Because he'd tell them that was their problem. They'd be so proud of all the things they were doing. And Jesus would say, you're like somebody that does the dishes. And you wash the outside of the cup, and you don't even rinse out the inside. You, you leave it all grimy and crusty and nasty, and you don't clean the outside. I mean, you don't clean the inside. He told him one time, he said, you're like a tomb. You know, like the above-ground tombs like they had in those days. He said, somebody whitewashes them all the time and keeps the outside really looking good. But inside, there's a rotten body in there. He'd tell the Pharisees stuff like that. They'd get hot. He was trying to tell them kingdom righteousness is inside out. The real problem is the heart. You don't work on the heart. you got the outside looking pretty good. But your heart's a mess. Let's close talking about vacations. We had some friends one time that owned a house on Table Rock Lake. Nice little cabin and had everything in it you needed. They'd let us use it once or twice in the summer. Okay. They went down occasionally, and sometimes there'd be a couple of weeks in between people staying in the house. And we showed up one Friday night. We'd driven from Wichita. We'd packed all the stuff and the boys and went down to spend a week skiing. And we got there, and we walked in the door, and everything was perfect. I mean, they, some of the last people there had cleaned it up well. It was sparkling. It was swept. Smell the Lysol in the kitchen. 
I mean, somebody cleaned this place up well. I unloaded everything, carried in the coolers of food, brought in the suitcases, got everything ready. And we packed all the food that we needed for the week. Now, of course, the basics were there, the ketchup and the mustard and stuff you needed. And sometimes they'd leave stuff over. You know, there'd be steaks in the freezer and stuff like that. So it was a neat place to go. First thing I did after I unloaded was I went down to the basement to the electrical switch box to turn on the things that were supposed to be turned off when nobody was there. And they were all clearly marked. Had masking tape there, turn this one off, this one off, this one off. So I'm flipping them all on that are supposed to be on. And I look at one and I say, that's funny, somebody turned that off, they shouldn't have. But I flip it on and go back upstairs. I got upstairs just about the time Cindy opened the refrigerator. It had been off for a couple of weeks. Gross does not cut it. It was nasty. It was beyond nasty. You may have heard the phrase, gag a maggot. I think some of them in there were gagging. (laughs) Yeah, it had all gone bad. All rotten. Took Cindy till about midnight. Clean it out. Oh, I helped. I carried all the shelves out and all the trays and everything out in the yard and hosed them off as best I could. And then she scrubbed with this cleaner and that cleaner and this Lysol and that thing. And she finally got it all clean. But it took a long time. Now, the outside of that refrigerator looked really good when we walked in. It it was polished white. Chrome was sparkling. It looked good. Until we opened it. That's the kind of thing Jesus told the Pharisees. That's how he explained the difference between their righteousness and kingdom righteousness. Let me just tell you truthfully that from all appearances this morning, looking out over this crowd, from all appearances, you look like kingdom kind of people. You do. You look good. You look like kingdom kind of folks. Your enamel is sparkling and your chrome is dazzling. Over the next few weeks, we're going to open the doors. We're going to let the king open the doors. He's going to open the doors and do some heart checks. Kingdom living by the book. It's going to be a challenge. If you're here this morning and need to respond to the Lord's invitation, if you need to get your heart right before God, we're going to stand and sing and let you come to the front. Let's sing.